for our next session, we are um, going to stay in the world of crypto and longevity. And um, we have an interview scheduled with uh, Chao Wang. And if you have any questions, use the Q&A function at the bottom, and I try to post the questions at the end. Um, like uh, our next speaker is like uh, Chao Wang, and he has been in the blockchain industry for like a long time and is the core contributor of um, Alliance DAO, a leading Web3 accelerator and founder community, and uh, one of the best places to start a Web3 company. So if you're excited about Web3 and all its verticals, uh, maybe have a look there. Um, he also is a big believer in decentralized technologies uh, such as cryptocurrencies that can shift like the balance of power from like the uh, big boys, the lead to the commoner. And he's also advocating for longevity research as he as he loves life. Welcome, uh, Chao. Hey, Max. Uh, thanks for uh, for having me. Um, I just want to apologize in advance. I have a hard stop at uh, at noon. Uh, I, I know we scheduled for five past noon, so I will have to miss that last five minutes. So sorry about that in advance. Perfect. No problem. Thanks that you're here. Maybe let's dive directly uh, into it then. I mean, we have like a mixed crowd. We have like crypto people. We have longevity people. Uh, maybe for the Web3 newbies, can you a little bit describe blockchain and what it enables? Um, I think fundamentally blockchain enables, uh, you know, computation in a very distributed fashion. And then the result of the computation is uh, stored on a ledger that's uh, open to the entire public, to the entire world that anyone can pull, anyone can build on top of. Um, I think that's that's what uh, fundamentally what, what blockchain uh, is. So in that way, when you look at blockchain that it actually in a way started out like with like mon monetary use cases such as Bitcoin um, and like more like finance things. And now like, among this in this web three movement, it's moving into art and like now science and especially longevity science. Um, do you see that in a way like similar to like um, at the beginning of the computer at the internet, you had like more like big finance starting like computational trading algorithms, then it's moved like slowly to um, science and it's there now, but like, uh, and then, then art came at the end. Do you see like some parallels in there? Like how it, it how blockchain is rolled out to the entire space yeah. of potentials i i don't see i don't really see a parallel however the way to think about this is um you know finance money like all these things are fundamentally assets right they're assets that people own and have some value that people can trade uh can lend against borrow against etc um where this stuff intersects with uh longevity or or biotech or life science is you know in, for instance in the case of vidadao uh, you have assets what are these assets? These are uh, intellectual properties, right? Intellectual properties are, are assets and potentially they can be represented in the form of NFTs on-chain, right? And therefore they can be traded around, they can uh, be crowd-funded, uh, uh, they can um, be owned uh, by um, an organization or some individuals. So the, the, the common denominator between uh, biotech and money finance is the asset aspect of it. Mm, yeah, that's like an interesting way of, uh, of looking at it. If you then now have those assets, I mean, uh, how do you see those crypto assets, longevity assets impact or change society, society and civilization compared like to traditional ways? Can it go faster and make an impact faster? Or how do you look at speed in a way and yeah. how it's rolled out? Um, one thing we've noticed for the past 10 years in, in crypto is that uh, one of the biggest uh, use cases of crypto is 
is crowdfunding. And that naturally will have um, some intersection with, uh, with longevity uh, and science in general, because um, one of the biggest problems I've seen in science is that um, the early stage ideas, intellectual properties or products are extremely risky uh, and they may take a long time to play out. Uh, lots of clinical trials, uh, a long time to develop a drug, for instance. So investors are naturally very risk averse to this area, right? Like compared to crypto, for instance, a, a, a biotech startup is actually a lot more risky. And by that, I mean like the, the, the probability of success is a lot lower. However, the, uh, if you do succeed, um, the payoff is massive, right? Mm. So um, I think that fundamentally there is a mismatch between capital and talent in science. Um, now, I don't know exactly how crypto is going to help science, but I do, I, I'm very confident that there's something about using crypto uh, as a fundraising mechanism to fund the early stage ideas. So when you talk about this mismatch of like, uh, of, of like talent, do you think it's like a, where does this mismatch come from in your, in, in your opinion? Is it like all based on, on, on hard dollars that like in a way that people move out of academia and science and uh, don't stay there because like they pursue careers that, that offer more money and crypto in a way could potentially yeah. offer like some donation money or like almost like that you have like science, science rockstar like where like good scientists that are like good at promoting, at doing good science and promoting good science in a way can, can get funded through crypto or how do you look at that? Yeah, yeah, the, the mismatch uh, comes from uh, the fact that uh, two things, investors are too risk averse and then the uh, founders are too risk averse uh, uh, relative to, to, the, to the amount of risk uh, uh, in, in, in biotech um, startups. So another way, so other than funding, um, another way where crypto can potentially help uh, you know, fix this mismatch is uh, risk sharing between uh, a large number of talents. So if you were to take on a bio product on your own, um, you bear all the risk. And mm. of course, if you win, the payoff will be massive, but um, there's a very good chance that, that you fail. And it's not your fault. It's just the very nature of the business. However, if you align incentives with a bunch of other founders in biotech um, and you have exposure, uh, upside exposure to what everyone else does in your group, then you're basically sharing risks with them. And so uh, you're gonna reduce your risk while keeping the same level of expected value, right? Mm. So um, potentially you can use some form of DAO or some, you know, token alignment incentives to align uh, among uh, multiple founders, multiple uh, biotech startups um, to, to, to reach that goal. So fundraising and risk sharing are, are, are the two things I, I think uh, crypto can make a big impact. I like the term of risk sharing, which uh, I mean, is, I guess it's, it's common for everybody who, who looks in the finance or, or hedge fund world, right? You don't put all eggs in one basket, right? And uh, 
at the same time, I guess when you build like traditional startups, it's always that investors tell you focus on your one thing on your one startup and you don't have that there because they in a way want you that you like really compete like on this on this one vertical where, where you're the best. Whereas like in crypto too, like this collaborative um, efforts, you actually have like different mechanisms that that you even can win, even if, if your thing really doesn't make it. You can still participate in the upside of other people and maybe you have enabled them actually and laid like some groundwork um but was was the timing was ju just off that's actually like a really cool concept um maybe given you are that involved in the crypto space and have like this good overview do you see any like blockchain products um specifically for science that you think would be cool but have not yeah. seen somebody build i mean um well, I've seen a couple of interesting startups um, that try to leverage uh, crypto. Uh, I've seen someone who uh, tried to use token incentives to incentivize um, drug development for the long tail of rare diseases. Okay. So rare diseases is another good example of this because um, again, risk is very high. And because these diseases are rare, um, it's going to be even harder to find uh, investors. Mm -hmm. Just because the market is smaller, the diseases are more rare than the market is smaller, right? Um, so again, I think crypto could play a role there when it comes to funding, right? So funding and, and risk sharing, those are the two my, my two main theses for for crypto. Um, another project uh, is working on the risk sharing aspect of it, where they try to build a DAO that align incentives between a large number of biotech founders um, so that uh, they can have upside exposure to what everyone else is building, right? Um, I think if you're able to raise a lot of money, and by a lot of money, I mean $100 million or an order magnitude above, you will be able to solve this uh, risk sharing problem that, that I described. Uh, you'll be able to fund a large number of high quality um, biotech startups, um, earn the same amount of expected value while reducing the risk. So, mm -hmm. you know, these are some examples I've seen. However, I think there will be more, more examples of this. Um, I, I would love to uh, to help startups that, that are looking to uh, these two areas. Now, it doesn't mean that other, you know, I have these two theses, right? There could be many other applications of crypto in, in bio that I hadn't thought of. Mm. Um, so if you have any crazy idea, I love crazy ideas. You know, I, to, this, to this day, I still think, like most people think the intersection of crypto and, and longevity is crazy. Um, but I, I love it. I love crazy ideas. So if you have any anything um, that operates at this intersection, uh, I love to chat with you. Uh, I even think most people would even like say the individual verticals of crypto or longevity are crazy <laughs> and like uh, in a way like the intersection is like crazy squared or something like that. Exactly. Like, uh, <laughs> it's an exponential of an exponential of craziness and probably to some extent risk as well, but also like uh, um, um, returns and impact uh, on the world. Oh, actually someone, uh, Matt uh, mentioned a really good idea in the chat, which I tweeted about a year ago. I forgot to mention it, but the idea is that, um, again, back to the first question you asked me, what is blockchain? Blockchain is fundamentally a global distributed ledger, 
Okay. So at some point, this global distributed ledger will be good enough to, to be able to store and to retrieve a really large uh, data set. Uh, and that data set can be uh, preserved in terms of privacy. So the use case of that would be if everyone can contribute their personal data in a privacy preserving way onto this blockchain, then you'll be able to enable, this blockchain will be enable, will be able to enable real high quality research. Mm. Um, I think data is missing. Like right now, health related data are, are they sit in silos, right? Like I, I go to a hospital, the hospital knows a little bit about me. I go to another doctor, the other doctor knows a little bit about me. Then some, you know, research companies will run uh, clinical trials uh, or observational studies, whatever. They collect some, some data uh, about me, but all these di different data, data sets, they're in silos and there's no privacy guarantees, right? I think blockchain can fundamentally solve this problem. However, th this is very much a, um, um, how do you call it? Uh, tra tragedy of the commons, right? In order for this, uh, uh, this, this distributed ledger to become really valuable, you need a lot of data, right? How do you get a lot of data from a lot of people? Um, maybe it's tokens, maybe you can incentivize data contribution using tokens, but it's a, it's a very hard problem, but I, I'm very excited about it. But, you know, it's gonna probably take uh, many decades for, for this particular problem to, to be solved with, with the blockchain. I agree. And I think like you're now, they're trying to do something in this direction. But what is very interesting is I remember when I moved to Singapore and had my first doctor appointment there, it was like just a normal doctor appointment. But then if my second doctor appointment and another doctor, they know everything about your medical history. And even like the pharmacist, you can tell them, hey, uh, you give them your ID and say, hey, I got this medication in the past and I ran out. Can I get a little bit more? And they say, without having to go to the doctor, they can give you a little bit, not, a, not as much as you want, but they have like all the, all the data there. It's not on the blockchain, but it works for like a small city state like Singapore seems to work very well. At the same time, I'm actually German and there we still have like a lot of history where we didn't want to uh, collect the data from the people because you could use it for like malicious uh, uh, intent, right? And that's like super chaos. You go to one doctor, they have no idea what you had in the past. And it's bad because you really have to tell them sometimes and then they actually will change their what they would uh, prescribe you right so um, yeah i think like data for on the blockchain especially medical data combined with like um, artificial intelligences and good data analytics will really help like the entire field and uh yeah uh will will accelerate health uh, science and science in general maybe um a little bit uh, uh to a slightly related topic, um, last week on the Bitcoin conference, uh, PayPal founder Peter Thiel claimed that the financial uh, gerontocracy, including Warren Buffett, um, is actually hindering Bitcoin's progress. Yeah. Do you actually think in the DeSci space that we also have like to deal with like an academic or big pharma gerontocracy that does not want uh, decentralized science and rejuvenation medicines? Yeah, um, I can potentially see it at some point in the future. I don't see it now just because you know, whatever DSI is, it's still very small. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not big enough to, to, to pose a threat uh, to big pharma yet. The same thing happened with Bitcoin. Like in the early days of Bitcoin, banks ridiculed uh, Bitcoin, right? And Ethereum. So, um, but at some point in the future, you know, 
may like I'm not I'm not very knowledgeable uh, about uh, about the big pharma. Maybe if there is a way to uh, um, redesign big pharma, big pharma because big pharma have have a lot of power. That, that I know they have a lot of power. They have a lot of money. They have a lot of influence. Um, if there is a way to somehow reduce their power, uh, maybe uh, DSA will play a role there and, and pose a threat. But I, I'm not knowledgeable enough to, to really uh, make, make a prediction. Yeah, I'm, I'm always hopeful given that like the blockchain space is moving so fast that in a way until they realize it, that's like another contender now on the, on the spot that, that, that DSI will move so fast that, uh, that they don't have too much time to wreck. But maybe that's like a very optimistic uh, uh, viewpoint on it. Um, with all the beautiful innovation that happens in crypto, there's also like some uh, scamming is not too uncommon. And we actually earlier talked about like biomarkers of aging and how to measure like the age and the health of like of a body. Um, are there any markers that you would look at to see if the crypto and DeSA ecosystem is healthy? Um... I mean, crypto in general, um, you know, I, I would be interested in um, the number of developers. Uh, so you, you could look at, you know, their GitHub repos, like how many people are working on Ethereum or how many people are, are building um, uh, Solidity code, right? Mm -hmm. Like that kind of stuff you can see on, on GitHub. Uh, I would be interested in how many daily active addresses on various blockchains. Mm. Um, so basically developers and users, the number of them are the things I, I, I look at. DSI is too early. I don't think there's much data yet. So of course, I, I don't know what would be a good metric to look at. Maybe it's funding, right? Like, you know, uh, how many great scientists or bio, biotech founders get funded in, in crypto? Maybe it's, it's just that. Yeah, I guess I think like how many people from the traditional world you could, been, uh, could bring in could be one. Always like money never lies, like finding at least that, that signals interest, I guess. Um, I also think maybe like if you could measure like good collaboration. I mean, if like all the projects that we heard earlier, if they really start working together and creating and actually something comes out of it, uh, then uh, I think that would be like a very healthy, healthy sign. Um, Maybe one or two more questions before we go like to the uh, questions from uh, from the audience. Um, I mean, what's like your, uh, what's your personal longevity goal? Um, <laughs> my personal longevity goal, I have some short-term goals and long-term goals. Mm -hmm. um, what are they? Uh, short-term goals, I, I look at like maybe uh, a couple hundred of uh, biomarkers. They're not really longevity. Yeah. biomarkers per se they're just health biomarkers but you know they, they tend to correlate mm, um, health span is you know it's very much lifespan in, in many ways um so i want to be you know a lot of these biomarkers uh they get worse as you age like age is is the number one factor the uh, the, the factor that has that's the highest that has the highest correlation with uh, these biomarkers right so mm -hmm. these things tend to worsen over time so i want to you know, do my best to keep these uh, biomarkers uh, around the same level every year. Um, so that's short-term goal. Um, Long-term goal, um, 
I want to be able to to run and, and play with my grandkids when I'm 80, 90, 100. Um, so yeah, that, that's it. Uh, super simple. Healthy aging. Uh, when did you start uh, measuring your biomarkers regularly? Yeah, it's, it's about a year after COVID. I, I realized I, I totally wrecked my health. Uh, I, went, I went to an annual, annual, uh, annual check and um, even my basic, uh, not even the, 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 the longevity ones, my basic biomarkers were totally wrecked. Uh, yeah. That's when I realized, holy shit, I need to, I need to start work out and, and, um, and eat well and sleep well. Um, okay. and after that, I, I start tracking my biomarkers every, every three months. <laughs> Awesome. Hope uh, I hope they're getting better. Um, okay, let's get to the, like the audience questions. Like Wikipedia just announced that it would not accept crypto donations on the basis of concern around the negative environment, environmental impact of cryptocurrencies. How do you see the growing communities based around blockchain and the trading of NFT tackling this issue? The growing uh community tackling this issue tackling what issue exactly like of uh negative environmental impact of cryptocurrencies yeah i mean first of all the, the negative environment um it, it's just a meme it's, it's totally bullshit i mean your, your christmas lights burn more energy than than than, than blockchain in one day than than bitcoin uh, in the entire year so that the energy concern are totally bullshit now even if it's real you know, we have a lot of blockchains that are going proof of stake. Um, you know, you, you could argue that, uh, you know, proof of stake are, are a lot more <laughs> environment friendly. Again, I, I, don't, I don't believe it. Like, I, I, think, I think that meme is, is bullshit. But if people really want to argue against the energy, then we just say, okay, proof of stake, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's just a meme. Um, things will, like people will, will come around to, to the fact that, um, uh, blockchain are are not that bad when it comes to environment. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, one more. That's also a longer question. A huge problem with equity financing to traditional VC is that the exponential growth of a successful venture allows early investors to capture all of the value. This is also a problem at the moment with crypto. How can you be prevent the crowdfunding model that you are advocating from just mirroring equity? Uh, when it comes to early early stage funding, I guess so. Yeah, that's how I understand it. Um, I think you can't because um, at the end of the day, the professional investors are not there just to just provide money. They provide other things, right? Uh, they provide introductions, you know, actual product feedback, you know, insights. They've seen a lot. So professional investors. It, it, it's very natural for, for professional investors to capture a big share of early stage funding relative to, to retail. Uh, they have the domain expertise. You, you can't change that. Mm. Um, however, the, the point of uh, enabling retail to invest in early stage startups is to um, create competition to, to the professional investors. It gives an opportunity for the early for retail to also invest uh, in early in some early stage uh, startups. So the competition is is good, is healthy. Mm. Um, but it, it it's not possible to you know make sure that uh, retail investors get the same deal as as professional investors. It's just not possible. 
Yeah, but I, but I guess the, the, it's getting more leveled at least, right? And that's what we can always, you cannot reach parity in a way or everything equal. In many ways, it, crypto investors got into crypto before professional ones. Um, yeah. 2014 Ethereum public sale was open to everyone. Bitcoin was open to everyone. Yeah. It's only until 2017 that things started changing. So crypto definitely changed the landscape to, to a very large extent. Yeah, and I think, I mean, the same as with what we did with uh, VitaDAO with like the Gnosis auction, right? That like, uh, in a way, gives a fair price uh, to everyone if you're there at the right time. Well, like uh, it just hit six o'clock. Ciao, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for taking time. And uh, yeah, hope to speak at another time again. All the yeah. best to you and a healthy longevity and uh, goodbye, Marcus. Likewise, likewise. Great. great uh, thanks, thanks for having me, Max. Perfect. Bye-bye.